DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. This year in a golf PGA Championship preview with Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. Ready for the second major? Or are you ready for the PGA? I am ready, actually. This is going to be good. Um, the ocean course at Kiowa Island, the Pete Dye design. And, of course, we know uh, Rory won this in 2012 on this golf course by a record eight shots, beat Jack Nicholas's record in a PGA who, when he won uh, by seven shots back in 1980. And he also had the War of the Shore, the 91 Ryder Cup, uh, which was uh, super intense and kind of set the stage for how Ryder Cups have gone since that point in time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, right now, effectively, it's 7,800 yards, the longest golf course in uh, major championship history, although it's unlikely they'll tip it out to that uh, at any one particular round this week. But, yeah, it should be good. I guess the only thing that's a little bit uh, flat is sort of the, the, the main the main characters in all of this, and that's the players. There really isn't sort of one player that you would suggest is super hot right now, and, um, you know, a lot of the big names are have been a little flat this year. All right. Well, with that in mind, though, I was ready to write off Rory and just said, I don't know what it is after the Masters. And he rallied and won. And we've seen Spieth have a little bit of a, a resurgence. So they may not be hot or the overwhelming favorites, but they're certainly playing better going into this. No, no doubt. And those are the two exceptions, right? I mean, you know, you think about DJ, you think about Justin Thomas, you think about Bryson DeChambeau, you think about, you know, um, Brooks Kepka being injured. You know, a lot of these guys that, that were hot at some time, you know, in the last several months, and DJ, the number one player in the world, not, not playing some great golf right now. But that said, Rory, yeah, great story. Certainly back in the winner circle and looking to join Tiger as the only player to win multiple PGAs on the same venue. Tiger did it at Medina. Uh, so, so yeah, Rory is, is is definitely the story of the week, along with Jordan Spieth, who's looking to complete the career grand slam and, you know, very timely win for him to get back in the winner's circle. Uh, Arnold Palmer and Tom Watson uh, were a PGA championship sort, uh, short of winning that uh, career grand slam. So uh, nobody's actually done it at the PGA. Uh, Spieth would be the uh, first to do so. And, you know, it w- wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Spieth does have five top fives this year, including that win. So, um, he, like I said, he, Spieth and Rory probably the two hottest players coming in this week, and the two betting favorites for sure. Um, but maybe, maybe with uh, you know having struggled for some time, not quite the same pressure to win the career, complete the career Grand Slam on Jordan as what he's had perhaps in years past. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how both of those play this week. So what style of golf does this course favor? What are the what are the traits you have to have to have an edge here? It's interesting. Uh, Rory, obviously, when he won back in 2012 and just destroyed the field, was just bombing it. Um, but I went back, and, and, and so you'd say, hey, 7,800 yards at the Bomber's Paradise. But you, you've also got an interesting golf course here. It's a seaside, linksy style golf course. But, but, the, but it doesn't play fully like a links course in the sense that the greens are raised up. So you can't just have a low ball flight ground game like you would, say, at, a, at an Open Championship. You have to be able to put it up in the air, but light it down and be able to hold those greens. And so uh, a great ball striker, you know, which Rory was, was on top of his, his game when he, when he won by eight shots, obviously. Looking back on, on Rory's win, too, he, he dominated the par fives. Um, two of the par fives played over par for the week in, in 2012. It's just really, really tough. And yet he was eight under par 
for the par fives for the week. And so I, I think you, you look at someone who dominates in par fives, someone that's obviously, if you have length, that's always an advantage. I mean, we talk about that at every major championship. And then guys that are just really, you know, I, I think you're going to have to drive it a little straighter um, than what you do at the Masters, for instance. Tony Finau, listening to his interview yesterday, he talked about how uh, Kia, his first time around Kia, he tipped it out. This was, it was just yesterday. Tipped it out, played all 18 holes. And he said it felt a whole lot more like a U.S. Open than it did a PGA Championship. So, you know, fr- from that standpoint, it does demand a little bit of accuracy off the tee. You do need some length and, and then some great ball striking and ultimately some putting. I don't think the, green, the putting surfaces are quite as severe as, as some of the – um, some of the other uh, courses, so you're, you know, the, the grass uh, is this, um, what is it, past pollen or whatever that's a little bit sticky. So even though it's, even though it's super firm, it shouldn't be icy slick. Like they should be able to, to, to make some putts, and and so that that also plays into the hands of uh, of good putters this week. So to answer your question, I, I think it's going to be one of those, you know, like a major championship is defining whose game is at the top, and that's going to test all aspects of of, the, of a player's game. So you heard about the big news about the range finders being able to be used? <laughs> well, apparently Tony had, and that was the other thing that was actually funny. I don't know if you saw. I did. He, you see that interview, and, he, yeah. and Tony's like, wait, what? <laughs> it, was, it was being told during the interview. Now, I guess you can't use it for the slope, but everything else? Yeah, which, you know, that's the case. You know, I, I don't even know people that really use the slope. I think some people think it helps. I, there's so much calibration that goes on in that, even in for, for us amateurs just playing around. I, I've never actually used the slope feature. But, uh, yeah, so they can – you know, it's an interesting one, right, PK? So we talk about technology. We talk about, you know, what can we do to, you know, make the game more fun? How can we speed up the game? And I'll be honest, I've gotten – in my rhythm includes shooting a, a laser at the flag every time I play. You know, when I get to the fairway – I pull out my rangefinder. I actually have a little magnet holder, and it sits right on the little upright of the cart. And I pull it out, and I shoot the flag, and then I make my decision. Now, you know, there, there's there's a lot that goes into, you know, when I'm playing golf courses that I play that are soft greens, and you can pretty much fire at the flags. And, you know, you look, okay, that's a back flag. Maybe I want to back it off a little bit. But these players, I mean, in major championship, even just regular PGA Tour events, the precision that's required and the, the pin placements, that, that that's it makes such a difference if we if you went out and played these same courses the tour players played and they just stuck the flag in the middle of the green it's not even the same experience and so uh, the way they tuck these flags and the p- positions they put them in the only chance some of these players have to even make a birdie is to hit it in a certain spot i, I know from all the years we've been at augusta it's very rare that players are even firing at flags um, in order to get close to flags you have to hit different spots for and then allow the slope to take it to the flag and so to give these guys a range finder that will simply give you the, the, the distance to the flag is, I mean, I, I, it's like Tony said, you know, he's probably going to rely on, you know, what his caddy has to say and what the book has to say and stepping things off because, and Webb Simpson piled on that too. And he said, most of the time we want yardages to the front of the green. That's what we're looking for. What's the front yardage and then how far on the pin. And then they can kind of calculate where they want to go from there. So, I see this. I mean, I think the PGA is using this as a way to gain some notoriety, to do something different, to be noteworthy. Uh, and, and then under the guise of, hey, maybe this will speed up play. Most of the consensus so far, at least among the, the media guys and in some of the players, is that uh, if, if anything, it might slow up play because they're going to use it as a double check. I don't see anyone just pulling out the rangefinder, shooting the flag, and disregarding the yardage book. So anyway, long answer. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out this week. So a lot of guys who have uh, not won a major before win 
on the at the PGA Championship, right? Morikawa last year, it's six of the last ten, I think. So the guys who haven't won, who do you think has a chance to break through? Let's stay away from the McElroys and the Spieths who are just piling them up. Who goes? I like that. Who's got a good chance to go from zero to one? Yeah, that's a that's that's a good uh, that's a it's a good note, DJ. And and I think you know you look at uh, one guy we've already mentioned in Tony Finau. Um, you know the guy has uh, six top tens and sixteen starts this season. He already t- tied for tenth at the Masters. So I'm putting Tony down for a top ten this week anyway. I know we don't want to hear top ten. I mean we al- we appreciate the fact that he can top ten. We want him to win. But um, you know Tony's striking it great right now. He's thirteenth in strokes gain approach the green. He's tenth in strokes gain tee to green, and he's fifteenth and overall in ball striking. So the, the big question mark is, can that putter wake up? Can he have a putting week? And uh, if he can have a putting week, I love Tony's chances. You look at some of the best players to have um, not yet won a major championship with the most top 10 finishes at majors without that victory. You're talking about Lee Westwood, 19 top 10s in major championships. He's 48 years old, however. Matt Kuchar has 12, and he's 42. Ricky Fowler, who's in the field this week, he has 11. Uh, top 10s, he's just 32. Paul Casey has 10, he's 43. Tony Finau, 9 top 10s, he's 31. Brant Snedeker has 9, and he's 40. Uh, Xander Shoffley has 8, he's 27. John Rahm has 6. Mark Leishman, 6. So, you know, when you start going down best players that are currently active yet to win a major, you know, I mean, you have, you have to, as far as those guys that are in form, I mean, Tony Finau, uh, John Rahm, um, Xander Shoffley, and then I would also throw a guy that's not on that list because he's just too you know young. He may be in that uh, Morikawa uh, uh, category. Is Victor Hovland five top fives this year? So th- those are the guys that I would probably put on my top of the list: Hovland, Finau, um, yeah, Xander, and Rom. Probably as as the guys that could break out and and win their first major this week of the PGA. What's the fan situation going to be? Do you know? A lot more fans. Uh, I don't know the exact count, um, but they are going to have fans there in South Carolina, so we should be able to hear some roars. We saw them in Texas last week. It was huge. The players have commented on it, but uh, they are they are letting some fans back in. It's starting to look a little bit more normal, at least for the PGA. Uh, I can tell you ahead of the U.S. Open next month in San Diego, um, it's still very, very limited. And so um, even media-wise, you know, we're, we're getting shut out again, so – um, I'm looking Ryder Cup before we're going to be able to be back on site. And hopefully um, hopefully all of next year we'll be back on site. But this week I think you'll see more fans than, than probably at, uh, at the U.S. Open next, next week or next month, rather, in, at Torrey Pines. Outdoors, ocean breezes, 36% of America or something like that vaccinated. I, I would think that sounds pretty safe. You know what? That's a uh, that is a <laughs> that's a debate right, right there, right? That I don't want to get into on a golf talk show, but uh, but yeah, hundred uh, <laughs> percent, man. I'm so tired of the whole thing. I'm, I'm I'm honestly, I'm so tired of it. Like it's, you know, the people that said it's not safe and the people that say it's safe are both, you know, so passionate. It's just it, those, those conversations are just so they're just tiring, aren't they? I mean, it's just tiring. So. Yeah, they are, but I'm really curious to see what side you fall on, Brian. <laughs> oh, are you really? You want to you want to throw me out there? <laughs> uh, honestly, I think details matter. I think you sitting in a media room uh, with a hundred other media people—that's probably not that safe. But for some dude standing on the 15th fairway with 10 mile an hour breeze coming off the ocean, I don't think that's that big a deal. How about deal. standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona? Uh, yeah, probably yeah. okay. That's a pretty small town. There's probably no one standing <laughs> on the corner with you. I think you're good to go. That is such a fine sight to see. 
<laughs> they actually have a statue on that corner. Do they really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, they have an. I've seen those photos. You can Google yeah. it when you're done here. You can find it. Okay. Yeah. I have a friend of mine whose wife is from Arizona, and he asked her when he when he was dating her, "Have you been to Winslow?" And and she's like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Did you stand on the corner?" And she goes, "What are you talking about?" He oh, goes, I don't what? know if this is going to work out. Exactly, <laughs> man. He goes, "I don't know if this is going to work out." <laughs> and I think beyond that, the next question is, "Do you like golf?" If the answer is, <laughs> "I don't know," and no, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Wow. wow, we went from uh, Kiowa to Win- Winslow real quick there. That was awesome. You think to this, my friend's marriage. You think this PGA this time of year is here to stay? Yeah, I think so. You know, and that's actually another thing to note when you're comparing 2012. That was in August, and the winds blow a lot more in August than in May. You know, I think the way that the schedule has changed, look, we, we talked about this when it happened, right? This is the this is the PGA Championship, teaming up with the PGA Tour to try to get the big events, uh, for major championships and FedEx Cup playoffs done before football starts. I mean, football's king. You know, it, it always has been. Well, I don't know if it always has been. Baseball probably at one point. But it, it certainly is king right now with sports. And so the PGA recognizes that they're yielding to football and saying, look, let's, let's have our season be when we don't have to compete with that um, – thousand pound gorilla so um yeah i think i think it's probably there to stay you, you look at the way it slates out now you got players in march you got masters in april pga in may u.s open in june and the open championship in july and then that gives you august for the playoffs and then you either put a Ryder cup or a president's cup there in september and and uh and, and there's your your schedule the tough thing is this year fitting in the olympics and you know players are dropping out of that like um like flies right now so um it's it's tough it's gonna be tough to schedule more major events late in the year I, I, is is what it looks like to me. I always thought the golf season really lagged, though. I think they needed a major this, and, and so it was weird at first. I think I'm starting to settle into it, and there's no doubt it makes way more sense on multiple levels to stay away from football in the fall, absolutely, but also just kind of the momentum of the season. Everybody gets fired up for the Masters and go all the way to Father's Day. That was too long. No, I love the wait, though. No. Anticipation of no, it all. No, I'm glad the PGA. It's coming ready. too soon. No, it's not. Actually, I think I side with DJ on this one. I think you're right. It, it did kind of lag a little bit. Um, you know, you had Memorial uh, that would play in there. You'd look forward to some of those events, but it did feel like you know, golf golf revolves around. A players will all admit it around the four major championships, and so um, those those are the big events. And and you know, the fact that they come a little bit more um, in a little bit uh, more consistent cadence, I think, is good. It's good for the game. Yeah, it gives but- guys. <laughs> something every month to look forward to. I, I, right, but then it's almost like a day and a half between the uh, U.S. and British. Uh, because of the travel, right? That one feels a little tight, but right. the, the rest of like it doesn't feel like a day and a half since Augusta. That feels like a no, year ago already. I'm, uh, you got me there, but yeah. the, I, I, I think that when we get this year, when we get to the British, I'm going to be sad that the majors are over and we're just barely halfway through the summer. Okay, f- fair enough. Yeah, I mean, from a major standpoint, your middle of July majors are over, and and now you're looking forward to you know at least it's a Ryder Cup year. I got I mean, you that's on my, that. That's my favorite event outside the Masters. Sure. Golf, yeah, so. I can I can live with that. They could move the British Open back a week or two, and it wouldn't bother me greatly. And the weather would be the same. See, it's going to be right. cold and windy any time you play. Right. So. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. who should be the number one pick tomorrow in the draft? Bob will have you the know, number one pick. Who's gonna Who's gonna be the number one pick? I, I wondered if you you uh, switched me up to because I was giving you a bad time about who you pick. I wonder if you put me on first to try to 
try to give you a little heads up. Uh, so so I've, here's my picks, right, early week. Rory, I mean, he's a two-time winner of the PGA, you know, um, just won a couple weeks ago. He, he's the one that you'd put two and two together, right, and you'd say, okay, Rory won the last time he played, and he won the last time it was here, so let's, let, let's pick Rory. I, I think he's a good pick. Uh, I think he's got some confidence back. Um, Dustin Johnson, back-to-back runner-up finishes, uh, and six top tens at the PGA. Uh, I mean, that's something. He has not played very good. He's hurt, too, um, isn't he? Uh, I think he's okay. I, I think he's okay. He's just, he just hasn't been playing all that well. Uh, Brooks Kepka's still hurt, so I, I'm not sure I'd pick him. In fact, he's still struggling to bend over just to read putts. I, I think he's a, a way long shot at best. Um, and, and by the way, uh, DJ did miss the cut at the Masters. Yeah. And so I would think that he's looking to maybe avenge that, and he's still the number one player in the world. I think Colin Morikawa is a sleeper. You know, I mean, not a lot of guys go back to back at the PGA, but you know what? The guy's still second in greens and regulation. He's second in strokes gained tee to green. He already won on a tough concession golf course to pick up that WGC. So I like Morikawa this week, and uh, Spieth, Hovland, and Finau. Those are those are my guys. So Rory, DJ, uh, Morikawa, Spieth, Hovland, and Finau. Um, if, if that if that helps. And if you're looking for a dark horse, go with John Daly, PK. You can't go wrong. John Daly. <laughs> John Daly. I've, I read- been a Miller Li- I've been a Miller Lite guy. Always have been. Ever since I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually on the board at 1,000 to 1. That's just throwing your money away right there. There you go. Why not? Hey, it's a good one. Long shot. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. We appreciate it. We'll catch you on Real Golf Radio. And we did not move you around. I mean, you're going to sing against our picks no matter what. Now you'll just sing against them on Thursday morning. I don't. I, didn't, I don't know why you even bothered thinking about that. Of course, you're going to sing against our picks. All right. Well, you know that's what we do, right? <laughs> right. All right. So, thanks, Brian. Thanks. Good to be with you, Brian Taylor. Real Golf Radio. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us. Bob to Rudy. Oh, he packed it with a right hand. Produce three all-stars. Check. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Win 51 games. Check. Earn the best record in the NBA in the top spot in the West. You are fabulous. Check and check. The regular season is over. And now the number one seeded Utah Jazz begin their quest for an NBA title. Let's go! When the Jazz take the court in the NBA playoffs, you'll hear every second of every game on your exclusive home. Welcome home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I do think it was funny. You see a lot of teams, uh, as you would say, uh managing their, their these last couple games of trying to avoid us and stuff like that. It's funny to see that, but for us, it's um, it's going to be a challenge of whatever team you play because between Jokic, the, uh, you know, the Clippers, uh, Paul, uh, you know, you have obviously uh, Chris Paul. Um, but, man, we're up for it, man. We're the defending champs. They got to worry about us. And we're getting healthy at the right time, and no one wants to see a healthy Laker team. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join hands with Scotty G at The Warehouse Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! That right there was Jared Dudley. And as much as you want to argue with him, he's right. Nobody wants to see a healthy Laker team. See, but I think that that would be cool if you beat the Lakers at full strength. And then, you know, last year I was in the bubble. Is it really a title for the Lakers? Yeah. I mean, they had three months off. Yep. And, it was different. But, but, it would, but see, this year even— This year's different, too. But, it's a different kind of different. But if you beat the Lakers at a full strength, it's not different. 
if it ranks Jazz, right there with if, the greatest accomplishment. I, I was in about whichever to say, franchise does it, or if, if they do it, right? If for the Jazz, the path looks like, and obviously the playing tournament can change this, but it looks like Warriors, Clippers, Lakers. If that's your path, and you're the Jazz, and you pull yeah. that off, you would arrive in the NBA Finals against the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks, whoever. You would arrive with so much confidence. We've been through the gauntlet. I don't know what you're planning to throw at us, but haven't we seen it already? Every franchise. Except maybe the Nets with three big-time scores. Okay, okay, I got you. But every franchise, save the Warriors, if they get to the finals this year, having beat the Lakers, it'll be the greatest accomplishment in their franchise history. Outside of literally getting a franchise. Yeah, the Suns' path would be... We assume Lakers, and then either Denver or Portland, mm-hmm. and then Jazz or Clippers. It's pretty good. Still a better path than the Jazz. <laughs> I think their path's easier. Uh, it's still hard. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The Suns, their path would be easier beating mm-hmm. the Lakers in the first round? Well, because say, well, the Jazz have to beat them in the third, so it's a wash. If anything, you're getting the Lakers when they're weaker. They may not be all the way uh, back you, you together. You don't know that, if anything. I if don't. anything, you're getting the Lakers then when they're... A, then it's a wash. They because could, you both got to beat the Lakers. Yeah, By the time the Jazz get them in a conference Lack of final, health, then. I guess if they had an injury along the way, that'd tweak, be the one thing. Yeah, A re-injury. I mean, you don't know that. This is LeBron's what, 36 what makes years it, old. What makes it might it, be harder to win then, earlier than later. Denver-Portland. That's the uh, that's what made me think it was an easier path. Well, second round, okay, on paper, I can agree. And that, with that was what I went to. I, I actually, honestly, was just canceling the Lakers out early on. But when it is all said and done, you're right. We might look back and say, well, they were they were you know they were better at this point than they were at that point. We'll have to see when it's all said and done. Assuming he gets that far. Yeah, and it's just up to you to get the job done. That's the thing about the Jazz. Everything is in their favor. Assuming that. Mitchell is ready to go, then they've got home court, they've got their guys, they got the never in the history of the league have you had the top sixth man and the top seventh man. <laughs> That's a bonus. <laughs> but how many eight seeds have Sabonis gone? Sabonis isn't playing. How many eight seeds? He's playing tonight. How many eight seeds have gone fifteen and five in the last twenty games and have an MVP slash Scoring champ slash former NBA champ slash future first ballot Hall of Famer. You were right when you said that to Dan Devine. These are the best seven and eight seeds ever. Assuming the Lakers and Warriors claim them, which we assume they will. Right. We'll have to see if the Grizzlies or Spurs pull something off. Right. I think Grizzlies more likely than Spurs, but probably neither of them. It's probably going to be the Lakers and the Warriors. And at seven and eight, sitting on a combined seven titles between LeBron and Steph... And I'd have to count up the MVPs, but probably the same neighborhood. I don't know. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Man. Well, that's the way it goes then. Uh, anything else Dan Devine said this morning? He took Joe Ingles for the sixth man of the year over Jordan Clarkson. Thought Clarkson's efficiency tailed off just enough and thought Joe was a total wild card. Well, Joe's level of consistency was there. More, and he had to carry a bigger, more consistent. He had to carry a bigger burden down the stretch. Although it took him off the bench, he was now a starter. But I think underrated. And Carson started that Laker game. All the story, yeah. 
underrated in all these storylines is Joe becoming the primary. I don't know if you want to call him a point guard, but he's the guy who initiated well, he called the himself offense. That last I week he did, and I would too. But you would jump me for positionless basketball. He's a forward, and yet he was initiating the offense. Well, okay, I think in that regard we can still say point guard slash initiator of the offense. Yeah, the point guard today is so dramatically different. And that doesn't mean the great ones of yesterday wouldn't be just as great or greater today. So before we start getting tweets about Stockton, <laughs> he would be just fine today. He'd probably score more and have fewer assists, but so what? He would still have a major impact on winning. He'd still be a Hall of Famer, blah, 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 all that stuff. Guys shoot better now. He might get what he lost in possessions where he didn't pass the ball because he was shooting. He might gain some because he might have thrown a great pass back in the day and a guy just missed a shot. Because it seems like shooters are much better now. <laughs> way more guys. Sure, but that's even degrading the assist even more. Oh, I get it. The so I make a little a, lateral pass and a guy assist, hits a three-pointer. The assist is a funky stat. There's no question. You throw a great pass, the guy misses a shot, you don't get anything. You throw a great pass, the guy gets fouled, you don't get anything. The, the mm, saying that's get a anything pure individually, thing. but you're right. getting a lot. You throw a great pass, but as pass far as just piling fouled. up the assists and defining yeah, how good cares somebody is about individual stats, well, I care about winning. Good. And he, John, was a major contributor to winning and making playoffs. 18 years or whatever it was, 19. So, and he didn't have to apologize for anything. Luke Walton's back in Sacramento, notable because the Kings have had 10 coaches in 15 years since they had their good run, the early to mid-2000s, and Rick Adelman was their guy, and he took him to the playoffs in 06. He stepped down, and since then, a revolving door. And Luke Walton is going to last a little longer before they never So they'll have 11 firing. coaches in 16 or 17 uh, years. Maybe 17. Can he push it out to 18? Uh, my guess would be no. My guess would be no, too. Who's going... Who? How do you get into the playoffs? Because they've got to take the next step. How do they get into the playoffs? Who do they knock out? Maybe a Spurs rebuild? Arrow ought uh, to be yeah, up? I don't think you need to knock out anybody. That's up to them to knock themselves out. You okay. need to get yourself in. The Suns didn't knock anybody out. They got in. So who's going who's gonna to knock themselves out then? Because 9-8-7, and seven, who's slipping? Uh, it looks like they all ought to be... Yeah, as yeah, good man, or better. You can have injuries. Uh, yep. I mean, wh- the, who who makes a trade? Are the are the Blazers right? Because we didn't gonna know go, Houston going to go down with Damian Lillard. And Houston and Oklahoma City did not get knocked out by the Suns. They knocked themselves out with the trades they made. Right. We're starting over. Let's go. And Dallas, you know, they have one major injury to one particular player. Yeah. Right. Look out, Luka Doncic dependent. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, the question of the day, we've got a lot of feedback here. What should we expect from Donovan Mitchell when he comes back? People want to know that he's 100% healthy. There's a lot of hopes there, but nobody knows for sure. They've got time here to have uh, follow that with David Locke was telling us about. You're at your best when you play hard every other day. So hard practices Wednesday and Friday. How much of that does he get back in those practices? You wouldn't get that if you came back in the regular season. You'd have to use games. Because you don't have that many hard practices in the regular season. There's no time, especially this year. It's a little different deal here if, assuming he's healthy enough, he yeah. doesn't have any setbacks, to go hard Wednesday and Friday and be in better shape for Sunday. Well, you don't want injuries upon anybody, but if I had to have somebody who missed 16, 17 games going into the postseason on this team, it would be Mitchell. Because I have the most confidence in him being able to 
come back from an offensive standpoint. Obviously, Gobert, he can come back and do what he does. But from the offensive standpoint, I would, if it had to have happened, have it happen to him and get him back because I, I anticipate him getting back and being good and being great. I expect that too. I think the one thing that worries people is he's not great the first couple of games, and is that enough to swing the Warrior series and put the Jazz in a bad spot? Assuming it's the Warriors. They have to win one in San Francisco, but so be it. I mean, that's not going to be a shocker, is it? No, you just don't want to work all that time and then give away home court in the first game or two. Okay, but then go back and get it in the third or fourth game. I think what everybody hopes is that you win the first two at home, you split on the road, you close it out in five. That's what how to say you want a one to treat an eight. I think just the thought is that the Lakers and Warriors are so good that that's not how a one is going to get to treat an eight this year. But hey, if they have to go to San Francisco up three two and win Game Six and win the series, I think uh, I think Quinn Snyder and uh, Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck would sign off on that right now. They'll sign off four three in a, a half court three pointer at the buzzer in game seven if it means they win. This time the Conley shot goes in. <laughs> what difference does it make in a final analysis as long as you win? I mean, this there's no morals or anything involved in this thing here, and no no if, moral victories, if fans, buts, what have you. Yeah. It's, it's it's a black and white thing. Victory! And even if you have a bunch of injuries, or the other guy has a bunch of injuries, nobody's giving it back because the other team had a bunch of injuries. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> get up there, you're holding the trophy, talk to the commissioner. Yeah, I don't feel really good about this. Yeah. Some guys got hurt. <laughs> right. None of that nope. stuff, it's all factors Steph, into it, but in the end... Steph yeah. Curry didn't say that when the Warrior, or when the uh, Cavs had injuries. and no. LeBron didn't say it when Steph jacked up his knee early in the playoffs. Right, right. Kawhi didn't. Well, Kawhi never says anything, so of course he didn't say it after Toronto won it. None of that stuff. It's a, it's their f- storylines, but so what? Everybody cool with the Pac-12 decision to allow transfers within the conference without having to sit out a season? I don't think they had any choice. I think they were going to do it. That's the way college athletics is going. These coaches, you know, coaching changes. You're going to tell kids at Arizona you can't transfer within the conference when their coach is gone. No, I think they're going to say it, but. There's a little warning flag and just a really specific local note. The Utes are always really deep at defensive line, right? Kyle prides himself on having an entire second defensive line he can send in the game, give every starter a breather, and still know he's got above-average defensive line play out there. Now, if a team like USC right now, the question marks along the offensive and defensive line, can they tamper and try to pull a guy? We've already seen a Ute transfer to USC, a defensive lineman, a couple of years ago. So are the USC's and Oregon's going to feed on the rest of the Pac-12? Hey, that freshman or sophomore, whatever position group, we can get him a little more playing time, a better chance to win. Come here. How's Arizona supposed to rebuild if USC and Oregon are picking off the best players? That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, you're talking about uh, uh, Stevie, uh, what was it, uh, Tui, Tui Kulovato? Tui, uh, yeah. Tui Kulovato, yep. yes. Yeah, and he went down there, and, and actually it, it was the other, sort of the other way around. He ended up getting more playing time at SC because he wasn't getting what he thought he should get at Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do worry about this because a lot of these kids, they're all recruited by a bunch. These coaches know... About everybody else's recruits. 
Yeah, yeah. I've told to a you. stunning level. Before yeah. the year when USC was undefeated and trying to repeat undefeated, and they eventually lost to Texas. At that point, I was doing the Kyle Whittingham show before that thing, the coaches' shows all went away. And I asked, I said something about Kyle and USC, and I said, I thought USC was going to lose. Norm had left. I thought someone can get them at some point. And he says, no, they'll beat everybody. They have so much talent. And then he paused. He said, unless they run into Texas in a bowl game, Texas can get them. It's like, wow, that came out of thin air. That's like four or five games, three, four or five games into a season. And he called it. Texas got him. Yeah, some anonymous uh, but he knew guy selling us, uh, working at Jersey Mike's in Manhattan mm-hmm. Beach. He was a poly kid, and I was buying a sandwich there. I got to talk to him, and he played football, and blah, blah, is he, blah. Is he a football player where, like, you knew he played football? Did he just, oh, when yeah, you yeah, walk yeah. in, he just screamed football? Yeah, we football. ended up chatting. He was at the cashiers. Yeah. We ended up chatting. But he ended up being some and, and, 6'2", 280-pound guy. And practice at Utah started the next week. I went to Kalani. He knew all about the kid. Yeah. Yeah. They all know each other's rosters. Yeah. Kyle knows Texas's roster enough to say Texas can beat USC months before. So there's it relationships there. Watch that Vic Suoto, man. He makes me nervous stealing guys that the U should get. Oh, that Vic. actually, yeah, no, that makes sense. Doing a job there for uh, Utah yeah. defensive line. All right, DJ and PK, that's some of what we've been talking about today. We did talk a little bit about Kevin Pillar. That was a lot of blood coming out of his face, PK. Sank a guy hit in the scary, face. Yeah. Sank a guy scary, hit in the yeah. face by a pitch this season, but this one was worse than the first one. Oh, certainly, most definitely. Yeah, much more, much. Uh, well, there was blood, and somehow Harper escaped. Yeah, Bryce Harper seemed to shake it off. Yeah, uh, I don't know how he did circumstances. that. Circumstances. Yeah. All right, it's time for the UNA Golf PGA Championship giveaway. Be caller number twelve right now and see what player you get for this year's PGA Championship. Twenty-five callers paired with the top twenty-five players in the world, while the twenty-sixth will be assigned the field. If your assigned golfer wins, you'll win the same brand of putter that player has in their bag. Be caller number twelve right now at eight five five three four zero zone. 855-340-ZONE. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, time for your feedback. What have you had to say about today's show? Question, what should we expect from Donovan Mitchell when he comes back? And Ellis McJets at Alaskan, Utah, and says, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Nothing more, nothing less. Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of work. You need a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Going to have to play 96 minutes tonight. Tyrell, very stat-oriented, 26-6-4. If he's going to play, he's got to produce as expected. Well, that's pretty much spot on to his uh, season numbers, isn't it? Uh, I, wouldn't, I haven't looked him up, but I wouldn't be surprised well, if like he looked him up. He's 26-4. Right. And if I click on it here, he might be right on his numbers. Yeah. I'm not going to click on it right here, but... That's the ballpark. I wouldn't be surprised if you looked it up. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, who else here? We got, uh, what should we expect from Donovan Mitchell when he comes back? Callie raised 801-420 at Le Beast says, take over. Ooh, that'd be sweet if he did. Hashtag spider, hashtag jazz. He a player, man, no doubt about Just that. Just come back, drop 40, take a W, and walk off the floor like, how Ooh. about that? You made me a little nervous when you said take a. <laughs> w. <I know. laughs> like, easy. I easy, know. DJ. <laughs> Down, boy. I was fine. What are you worried about? Uh, oh. <laughs> 
I knew I was on the air. I wasn't talking like I thought I was off the air. I uh, know, like Joe was done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't swear. Yeah, you did. Those four words. <laughs> Shonster Monster says fire in his belly. Ankle breaking moves, not his ankles. Yeah. Monster dunks, deep threes, clutch moments. I would think the fire in his belly is the last thing you got to worry about. When you take something away from somebody that they really like doing, and they don't get to do it for five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to have the fire oh, in his oh, belly. Oh, there's just no question. Yeah. We've seen that a million times over. That That's a given. You know, he monster dunks. He's missed a lot of dunks this year. I think he's shooting maybe a little over 50% on dunks. We'll have to ask Lockheed. No. Yeah, he's missed a lot of dunks. I wonder how much of that is fatigue and all the mileage. Like, he thinks he can get there, but, you know, you lose that 5 or 10% of fatigue. And I wonder, there was one playoff... Um, I can still remember it. Stockton had been uh, struggling at the end of the year, and I think he had a he shoulder a problem. No, <laughs> no, like that Sacramento white dude with did. All sorts of energy. <laughs> he came out with all sorts of energy, and I remember Doug Collins was on the broadcast, and he was basically like, "What has gotten into John Stockton? He's flying around out here." But you get the playoff adrenaline. You've had a few days He's flying off. Flying around? Yeah. Like every uh, training camp in football in college? Hey, you flying, flying around. around. <laughs> Guys are flying around, making plays. <laughs> Just looking for something to say. Oh, well, I want him to say that because that means football's right around the corner. <laughs> oh, man. What should we expect from Donovan Mitchell when he comes back? Andrew says basketball. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you basketball? We're going to get basketball when he comes back, but to what level? Hopefully, very high. Uh, Gobert DPOY three times has just sent a gif in. What does he expect out of Donovan? He's got a dude playing Papa Shot, and a guy is <laughs> like he's throwing a ball in both left and right hand. He just picks him up one at a time and just flings him in every single one. And of course, the gifts are looped, so it looks like he's just made like 200 in a row while I'm sitting here. So nice, yeah. David says it's simple. I want 38 minutes of awesomeness. I like the way he bumps up the uh, playoff minutes played. Wow, if he plays 38 minutes the first game. Then then you know he was pretty healthy at the end of the year. They were probably just I'm fine wrapping him in bubble wrap and that he went hard in a couple of practices right. before. And that would be a great decision they made then. That would be best case scenario. If he comes back with 38 minutes of awesomeness and they got, they, the one, they got the one seed without him. Best of both. Yeah. A lot of people, though, uh, following Tyler. The rest of the team's going to have to step up through the first two to three games until he shakes the rust off. But from then on, I fully expect playoff Donovan. Okay. Well, if he's easing back into it and they win those first two home games, I think everybody could live with that right now. Because really, deep down, what everybody wants is 2-0 and on the, in the playoffs, going on the road. Yes. Get, get oh, it started yeah. the yes. right way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Win the opener Sunday. We all assume it'll be Sunday. I assume they're going to give the Lakers Sunday afternoon. Which means then the Jazz would have to, if they're not playing the Lakers, would have to go Sunday night because there'd be eight thirty. The other two would be Eastern games. They got to put the Eastern games somewhere. They usually have two East, two West each so day. So eight thirty. That's what I would think. Yeah. Uh, now if they're playing, if they're playing the Lakers, one yeah, thirty. And maybe Jazz Warriors would go at one thirty. Maybe the Lakers didn't end up somewhere else. I'm not clear what they're going to do. The seven seeds are going to play Tuesday and Wednesday, so they could go Saturday. Oh, easily. But I just don't know why they put the Lakers on a Saturday. They're usually ratings Lakers, gold. Lakers, Saturday? Yeah, that's not going to happen. 
I would agree with you. Yeah, so I'm thinking Sunday night. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us.